Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another day in the year that wasn't. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own holly jolly Santa Claus. And with me, all the way from the land of wherever it is, is the Red Dragon and all that, uh, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Krampus himself, Steve Parson. You can't blame me for being Mr. Krampus. We were announced today that uh, we're going into a fourth uh, indefinite lockdown. Uh, so the uh, vaccination's total. not working? Oh, no, not many people have had it yet, but, well, I mean, 150,000 people have had it, but the 65 million in the country, but our um, draconian Welsh First Minister announced this afternoon that with effect from um, end of trading on Christmas Eve, an indefinite lockdown would exist. Ooh, Ooh that sounds ominous. And it's, it's the old-fashioned one. It's the uh, no more than five miles from your home, no meeting anybody, no non-essential travel, no shops open, nothing. Or Lovely. we'll fine you. Mm, and, yeah. With and indefinite. Mm, that's part of the Illuminarium's plan to, you know. Seems to be. Keep everybody in check anyway. So also joining us, of course, all the way from the West Coast, where it's sunny and burning to death, uh, the my favorite West Coast witch, Marla Brooks. It is sunny, actually. It's 73 degrees today. There you go. It is 20 degrees right now, and we are preparing for a northeasterner with about 15 inches of snow, I see. I so saw they, that on the forecast. I thought, how cool. If that stays, and it's what, minus, well, we do it in Celsius because uh, we're modern, mm. but it says minus, minus 15 for early hours of Saturday. Mm. Yeah, we, uh, we, we're Christmas going metric weather. by uh, 1999, don't worry. Ah, good. Anyway. It's our Christmas show because the next two weeks we have off. Uh, ding, ding, ding. We'll be in lockdown. Bells, jingle, we'll be social distancing. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a... Sorry, I was just providing some festive background music. Oh, uh, it wasn't very festive. It sounds like you were hurt. You me. try being festive when you're going to be locked in for the next 30 days and 30 nights or whatever. Hey, I'm locked in. I'm festive. Thank you, Marla. It's 73 degrees where we're you are. We're getting a stimulus check anyway. We are? Yes. For the sure. going to send us cash again because we're they love us. Nothing. Yeah, well. Apart from stupid rules. It's England. What do you want? It's no not Wales. England. No England. England isn't this bad. England isn't locked down. And England won't be locked down. Huh. Only... Wales. The personal fiefdom of the first minister and his sidekick. Mm. So, anyways, the communist state of North Korea, uh, Wales, Korea. <laughs> well, no bloody so, difference, if I'm honest. Yeah, I know. But uh, you know, you do have some things to look forward to 
for instance, like the Mari Lod, which I'm sure I did not say right. In South Wales, the tradition of frightening has some frightening aspects. Spawning from pagan ritual regions, Mari Lod, however they say it. No, you're not saying it right, but it doesn't matter. Sees a singing group of people decked out in skeletal horses arriving door to door at your home, or more traditionally, a pub, and challenge you to a rhyming or versifying competition. If you can sing out the rhyme of the gray mare, you win. But if they win, they're invited in for food and drink. It's actually so, worse than that because it's got out you if you uh, if you do let them in because they'll wreck your house, uh, they'll eat you out of house and home, mm-hmm. and they'll smear uh, excrement and coal everywhere. So is this a real thing over there in oh, Wales? Oh God, yeah. What it used to be. Mm-hmm. Now we just they just come around and coughing your face. You just shoot them right if they show up. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait a minute, you don't have guns. Oh, sorry about that. No, we're not allowed them. No. You can cross sharp. Yes, can't you? Uh, we've um, and Long from from the death? from the first of January we have to write Slingshot. in crayon. Mm. Mm. So what what is the the weapon of choice for home protection in um, Wales? Harsh words. Bad breath. <laughs> no, har- harsh, harsh words. words. Harsh words, and we tut a lot. Shame, shame. What would your mother say? Hey, hey, the Royal Navy are getting gunboats. To keep the French out of our fisheries. Yeah, I saw that. It's, that's very important, but has nothing to do with. Christmas. It is. I mean, I mean, you know, there is there is a glimmer of hope. From the first of January, it becomes legal once again to shoot at French people. Mm. Well, there you go. Except you can't have guns, so what good is? Oh, that? we don't do it. We just rely on the Royal Navy to do that yeah. for us. I mean, it's just days of Trafalgar again, isn't it? Oh boy. So. Anyways, uh, fish. you know, I let's uh, you I you guys have got some Christmas tales or something I understand or or not or, or am I carrying the show by myself here? Well, you can do it. <laughs> and if you get really desperate, I have a few things. And so do right. I, but only I if you're desperate. Right. I like your voice, Marla. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you whisper something to us. Oh, you don't want me to whisper? I'll tell you about the Yule Cat, though. Ooh, yes. sorry, I, 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 have I misprepared for this? Because it said that we were doing ghost stories. I couldn't find stories. No, I mean, <laughs> I just got Damn. things. Sorry. Yeah. But, but got, yes, yeah. stories are good. Okay, so the Yule Cat, which is a huge and vicious <laughs> cat. He lurks around the snowy countryside during Christmas time. Well, and yeah. Eats in in Scandinavia, okay. and eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. Um, it, it's referred to as an ancient tradition, written of the Yule cat, but the most uh, ancient finding they found it. Well, that made sense. Um, was 19th century, so it's not exactly horribly old. Um, But the threat of being eaten by the Yule cat was used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. The ones who took part in the wool, or the work rather, would be rewarded with new clothes. But those who did not get anything um, done, they would be preyed upon by the monstrous cat. The cat was alternatively, he's been described as merely eating away the food of one's 
home without new clothes during Christmas. So I, I suppose that the cat had, you know, a little benevolence to him. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I was tempted to say that you, you can't beat a little pussy at Christmas, but it's a big no, Well, I'm sure you weren't tempted enough to say it. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I withheld that one. Yeah, good thing you did. Yeah. Yeah, that could have got us banned. Again. 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 I'm going to send the investigations. Old cat after you. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. So you got anything for us, Steve? Or? Of course. Of course. Would I let you down? What is if it? I ever let you down? Well, is it you know, something? Not nothing to do with Christmas, right? Well, surprisingly, it is because huh? I read the brief. And it said, um, we're going to do Christmas stories. So Christmas um, tales is what, yeah, Christmas tales. Well, and I reached, tales, so I'm I reached, I reached onto the bookshelf and pulled down a, a volume, a very small volume from, um, gosh, 1932. Mm. And, I remember um, that. You would. You were there. Mm. And yes. um, it was written, um, the book is called Christmas Stories. And the author is Harry Price. Oh, that sounds good. So I'm going to... They're not in any particular order, so I'm just going to pick one that appeals to me. Yeah. And this is That's entitled... That's what this is about. This is Christmas. We, we do what the, we want. This is entitled, To Set a Trap for a Ghost. Ooh. All the ghosts do not appear to be more active at Christmas than at any other period of the year. I have investigated alleged haunts during the Christmas holidays, sometimes with interesting results. For example, during the Christmas vacation of 1925, I inquired into the phenomena of some strange footsteps which were heard by the tenants of a small cottage in Surrey, and in many ways the case is unique. The cottage itself was not haunted, but the people living in it continually heard footsteps on the gravel path which encircled the building. The manifestations commenced as soon as the place was occupied. During the first week, that woman twice went to the door thinking it was the postman, but no one was there. The path had been newly gravelled and the lightest step upon it could be heard within the house, which was off the main road and quite isolated. The only occupants of the cottage were the husband and his wife, the former being out at work all day. A peculiarity of this particular haunt was that the footsteps were heard punctually at 8.30 on most mornings, but especially towards the end of the week, although never on a Sunday. A watch was kept in the garden from certain sheds that commanded a view of the pathway, but the perambulating ghost was never seen and never heard except from within the cottage. Unaware that the entity never walked on a Sunday, I first visited the cottage on a Saturday night, hoping to hear the footsteps on the following morn. Learning that this was highly improbable, I busy busied myself with making four wide and shallow trenches across the path. I then filled these trenches with a mixture of flour and silver sand, which I made perfectly smooth with a newspaper in the hope that the ghost's footprints would be impressed upon it. Next morning I was up early, had breakfast and waited for the intangible visitor. On the stroke of half-past eight, the steps could be heard approaching. 
They appeared to come from the back of the cottage. But there was nothing peculiar about the steps. It was just as if a man with a rather firm tread were approaching the house. I ran into the small hall and peered through the letterbox. Nothing was seen to pass, but I could hear the footsteps as they came nearer and nearer, and gradually they died away. I rushed out of the cottage, but could find no one. I searched the buildings without success. The man belonging to the house had left for work soon after seven o'clock, and no servant was employed. There were no animals in the immediate neighbourhood. The nearest habitation was nearly a half a mile away. I was convinced that no person was playing a trick on me. I examined my trenches, but they were quite unmarked. I was disappointed that no impressions of footsteps were visible. Even the mark of a cloven hoof would have been acceptable. I visited the cottage three times in all, but heard the footsteps on only the first occasion. The cottage became vacant a few months after my last visit. The place was taken by two maiden ladies who turned the house into a tea garden. It did not pay, but whether the footsteps or the lack of custom was responsible for them vacating the cottage, I ne never ascertained. But the place remains empty to this day. Ooh. There we are. Who is the ghost hunter? Harry Price. Oh, wow. So he he looked into if there was a correlation between Christmas ghosts and, and the holiday? Uh, no, he was there on Christmas. He did a book called Christmas Stories. It's a very rare book. It's very hard to find. It's a very small book. It's, uh, it's about 20 pages. Oh. Tiny little thing. Barely bigger than a postage stamp. Ah, pretty very much nice. like your note. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's that was pretty cool, actually, Steve. You did well with that one. There are more. You, you wow. All right, so uh, I'll do just something quick then. Uh, how about uh, Teal de Nadal? We all know that, right? Hmm. Teal de Nadal. Right. It's celebration of Christmas. It's a uh, very unique uh, Christmas tradition in part of Spain. It's mm. also called the Catlin Poop Log. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Crafted by hand, these little characters are made of stick and art supplies and is treated kindly from December 8th to 24th by children, offering them nuts, fruit, and covering them with a blanket for warmth. On Christmas Eve, they beat them with sticks while singing a traditional song. Following the beating, they lift up the blanket to reveal the poop log had a pile of candy under it. I need, to I need to correct that story, actually. Well, you can't, because that's their, their well, point of view. Yeah. Well, I, I can correct it on the basis that um, yes. my eldest, Ethan, um, yes. has a, had a new classmate start this year, uh, yes. who's, who's from Spain. Yes. And his parents were talking about that very tradition, the mm. Christmas poop log. Mm -hmm. um, and it actually, the story's right. What you said was perfectly right, except for one small detail. In Spain, they celebrate Christmas on the 6th of January. 
not Christmas on the 25th and 24th and 25th of December. Mm-hmm. So the, the poop log is actually broken on the 6th of January. Ah, there you go. Which is their Christmas Eve. We should all have a poop log. Well, there was a very famous song. Um, what was it called? Hank all I want for Christmas, Christmas is hippopotamus. Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poop. Oh, I hate Mr. Hanky. Oh, Mr. Hanky. Yeah. Oh, has that voice. I wanted to smack him. Mr. Hanky, the Christmas I would love poop. to see that. Oh, yeah. go ahead. it's on South Park, right? Is that where he's from? Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you a funny, quick funny story related to Christmas. On the um, on on uh, Pure West Radio, where I have the other show, we, we had a Christmas special, uh, and it was all, like, Christmas music. And I actually must be the only person in the world that hadn't heard Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poop. <laughs> <laughs> and while scrolling down the Christmas playlists, I encountered this song right at the bottom in a in a file that's marked, you know, Don't Play, which was like a red rag to a bull. And I keyed it up, and, um, yeah, we played it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my My co-host on that particular edition had never heard it either and was weeping with laughter. <laughs> Station manager didn't think it was quite so amusing, but there we are. There you go. So we have so many great Christmas songs, like you know, Grandma got run over by the reindeer. Yeah, I'll tell you, yeah. I'll tell you what we did discover as well. The boys, the boys have a new favourite Christmas song, um, which we found on on that playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, that Chris, uh, Christmas hippopotamus. Yeah, nineteen forty-three. I just said that just two minutes ago. What an awesome song! All I want for Christmas is a hippopotamus. Yeah, a hippopotamus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What an awesome song! Nineteen forty-three. One hit yeah. wonder. The girl. The girl was sorry. Fifty-three. The girl was uh, ten years old when when she recorded that. Mhm. Mhm. There are a lot that aren't like you know top ten jingle uh, bells kind of so thing. The one that absolutely I cannot stand and absolutely drives me freaking nuts, besides the Italian donkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> jiggity, jiggity jig. Jiggity jig, jiggity jig. Oh, that freaking yeah. thing. But The boys have got a different version of that. Jiggity jig, the little fat pig. No, there you go. Sit down but, and yeah. the donkey. Jiggity, yeah. The one that absolutely irritates the crap out of me is the stupid one about the little kid that goes to the store that Buy his freaking mother some shoes so she can meet Jesus on. Oh yeah, or oh, the little boy that Santa Claus forgot. That's another weepy. Oh God, mm. just yeah, but that one here was like, what can we make that absolutely be the most ridiculous? I mean, the most tear-jerking thing that would be horrible and terrible, and we'll make it into a nice Christmas song. That has to be the little boy that Santa Claus forgot, doesn't it? Is the tear-jerker? No, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I vote for that stupid. Chew one. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm, I'm still sticking my tongue at it, Mr. Hanky. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Carry on. Because we can't play me. I, I wonder if our, our producer can key that up for the end of the show. Oh, that would be good. Mr. Hanky, I don't know if they have that in their file. <laughs> oh, it's easy to find on YouTube. Just Roy, you know, you know we want, we, to do. Yeah, we want Mr. Hanky the Christmas poo. <laughs> play out. <laughs> Send him a note in uh, in the uh, chat. <laughs> so uh, speaking about Marla. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have yeah, something. I, no, I no, have... no. But before what? this is your intro, so hang on. Okay. It, in Norway, it's a unique Christmas tradition. Wow, 
Christmas tradition that on Christmas Eve, all the broomsticks are hidden and out of sight. It is thought that Norwegians that night, the night before Christmas, bad witches and spirits will come out if there are broomsticks to be found. And they will take them and fly off to the sky with them. If you believe the Norwegians, it may be a good practice to put your broomsticks away this Christmas Eve and let the evil uh, witches look elsewhere. So You're giving you away trade secrets. However, yes, dear. what I got... Marla, do you go out on Christmas then? Are you a good witch or a... I'm not going to say one way or the other <laughs> because it... You know, one way or the other, no. Um, but but see, I'm I've got a good witch here that I'm going to talk about. I had the sandwich earlier. <laughs> so did I. Um, I. She's called Le Befana, and she's in Italian folklore. Is a witch who brings good children treats on the morning of the Epiphany, which is January sixth. But if you were bad, you might wake up with a lump of coal. And she's been flying around the world on her tattered broomstick to swoop down chimneys and deliver sweet or sooty judgment on girls and boys long before Kris Kringle came into view. I mean, this, this which has been an Italian tradition since at least the 8th century as part of the Epiphany. And it just says, in case people don't know, in Italy, the Epiphany marks the official end of the Christmas season, commemorating the day when the three wise men arrived at the manger bearing gifts. And every year, the occasion is celebrated with a living nativity scene and a great procession through the center of the city. And most exciting for the Sweet Tooth people, the arrival of La Bifana. And according to the story... The four figures' fates were intertwined when the Magi happened upon, the, upon La Bufana early during their quest. She charitably hosted them for an evening in her humble but cozy cottage. The next morning, they invited her to accompany them to Bethlehem. And she was really busy cleaning her house, so at first she declined. But then, after they carried on their way, she had second thoughts. So she quickly filled a basket with gifts for the baby Jesus and set off alone. Although she followed the same star, she was unable to find the, ma the manger before the wise men did on January 6th. Now, today, the Lupifana, I can't even say that anymore, continues to travel the world on Epiphany Eve, searching every house for the child and leaving candies and chocolates for the good little children. And, you know, just a coal here and there in her wake. So there you go. No, weird. We have um, here, here in the UK, when we were growing up, even to this day, um, if you're naughty, Santa will leave you a bag, a sack of coal. Yeah. yeah we have US, that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In our stockings, you'll leave a, a lump. Actually, actually, I get it every year. Pian has a, a piece of coal that's in a little tin, and she gives it to me every year. You and Charles Brown. <laughs> I have no clue. That's why we no... call her St. Jan. Yeah, right. St. Mm -hmm. Jan, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Steve, do you want, do you want to go into oh, a story? My turn again, is it? Well, we well I only, I only found minutes. stories. Well, we only a couple minutes before the break, so you oh, isn't okay. usually long. You want to come bring us back yeah. with one? Yeah, we'll come back with one. All right. So I'll talk about a, a, a great, and I think it's really a, a wonderful uh, tradition, and, and I'm thinking of doing it myself. And that's in Germany. 
um, they have the German pickle on the tree. Oh, yeah. The glass pickle-shaped ornament was traditionally hidden after the rest of the tree had been decorated. On Christmas morning, the child who found the pickle first would either receive an additional present or be the uh, one to open this first. For adults, finding the spot the pickle is thought to be... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Good luck. That's what it means. Good luck. <laughs> is that a pickle in your pants? Or are you just happy to see me? Did I say that? No, I did not. No, okay, no. <laughs> During the First World War, the German army all wore pickles on their helmets, didn't they? They had the pickle halb. Because why? Why? Obsession with pickles, I guess. <laughs> yeah, getting hungry on the battlefield, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Killing time. So, you know, if you're looking for something to do on Christmas, you know, and you want something a little different and a little exciting, go to Caracas in Venezuela. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's oh, nice to get you. about Caracas? The, the Venezuelans uh, in the city strap on rollerblades on Christmas morning each year and take to the streets in mass. Uh, and they just get around in order to make sure that it's safe. The the police shut the place down, and there you go. Well, before before we get breaked, um, something really quick is we really do need to have a little pay homage to Krampus, which we mentioned earlier. I think Krampus is over <laughs> overlooked sometimes, and you know, nah. I mean, what's what's so bad about some demon that grabs up kids and stuffs them in a bag and eats little children? I mean, you know. Everybody's got to have a hobby, right? And in reality, it's he's he's not a bad Santa Claus. He's the opposite. He's he's the yin to Santa's yang. Exactly. He mm -hmm. is. He is. Uh, it, we talked about this on the morning show this week. Is uh, Jeff Belanger was on? He was one that actually brought it up. And Saint Nicholas would always bring gifts for the good children, and so. By Krampus, he would get out and, uh, you know, basically clean up the place for him so that Christmas morning he just had good children to deal with. He didn't have to worry about it. Mm. Yeah, well, Krampus, you know, he's been depicted as evil, but, you know, everything that's evil has some good in it. And, and You're just going to say he was misunderstood now, aren't you? No. No, no, no. No, he was completely understood. <laughs> they were that's working why together. people love him so much. Yeah. They were working together. Yeah, they were. I mean, there's a, these great pictures of Santa and Krampus, just, you know, each with a bag, but they were there's buds. something different, except, you know, feet were sticking out of Krampus's bag, and, you know, candy was out Just clean up the riprap so that, that Santa Claus could deliver it so you didn't have to figure out who was good or who was bad. Krampus did, did that for him to clean exactly. it out for him. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, we're going to take a break. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Marla Brooks, Steve Parsons, and U.S. Truly, right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. Hey, Pararex is up. And we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Glant and Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts, and all our patrons. So go check us out on Patreon, uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio, and be part of the JDS Society. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. If you're still with us, welcome back to part two of tonight's Why Ghost Chronicles International with New England's very own Krampus, Ron Kolick. <laughs> and out on the West Coast, we have, our fairy, we have our fairy godmother, Marla Brooks, held together by the Welsh dragon. There we are. Okay, so Rory wants to know what clip that you want to play. Uh, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh. Mr. Kanky, the Christmas Oh, no, I, I see. He thinks that we've sent a, a clip, does he? I don't know. We're going to find out. What do I know? Mm. Never mind. Yeah. The song. The song. Yeah, yes, the there song. There we go. The song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Well, while Roy searches for that, desperately, trying to figure out what the heck what the we're, hell we're talking, talking about. about. Yep. Um, we'll start off with another ghost story from um, Harry Price. This one's entitled "A Sympathetic Ghost." Can you do it in Harry Price's voice? So we can, no, like, no, 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 no. Do you know what his voice sounds like? Uh, there's only one recording of him. Hmm. There is only the one recording of him. I he he has a, a sort of a um a, a bit bit of a stutter. Ooh. It is. There you go. So now we've learnt that. <laughs> Another so Christmas. Looks like what? he's found the, the, the clip does. that we want, I guess. It so does. Can so, we play yeah. it now, Steve? Is that... Oh, wait a minute. That's the trouble with having to find songs on a whim. I think you should count yourself lucky, young man. <laughs> anyway. Yes, uh, Roy, if you, wanna, if you do have it, we'll listen to it. Is that all right, Steve? Absolutely. I good. will gnash my teeth throughout. Oh, good. I want to hear him. Rudolph and his shiny nose. And we all know Frosty, who's made out of snow. But all of those stories seem kind of gay. Because we all know who brightens up our holiday. Mr. 
Arthur. Hank, the Christmas poo. Small and brown, he comes from you. Sit on the toilet, here he comes. Squeezing tween your festive buns. A present from down below. Spreading joy with a howdy ho. He's seen the love inside of you, cause he's a piece of poo. Sometimes he's nutty, sometimes he's corny He can be brown or greenish brown But if you eat fiber on Christmas Eve He might come to your town Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo He loves me, I love you Therefore, vicariously, he loves you I can make him Mr. Hanky, too Cause he's just clinging to your sphincter And he won't drop off And so you shake your ass around Try to get it to drop in the toilet And finally it does Oh my god Mr. Hanky the Christmas poo Christmas leaves he must leave too Flush him down but he's never gone His smell and his spirit lingers on Merry Christmas there is no words for that. <laughs> and you heard that I forgot that voice. how bad it was. <laughs> that voice, that high-pitched voice. <laughs> Send all correspondence to Steve Parsons, care of the yes. show. Uh-huh. Yeah. P.O. Box, don't give a... All right, Steve. True. Yeah, Put how do you your follow best, that? Best, uh, best Harry Price voice yeah. and, and give us let's, your... Um, yeah, let's try and extricate ourselves from the poo that we got ourselves into with that. Yeah. We'll start with, we'll go back to a sympathetic ghost. I should use my finest English accent. Hmm. Deliver it in, in fine theatrical style. Oh, there you go. There you go, like Harry Price did. Hmm. Another Christmas ghost I investigated turned out to be a natural phenomena instead of a supernatural one. But as the incident was both instructive and amusing, I will relate it here. Many years ago, I was spending Christmas in a Shropshire village. On a New Year's Eve, I retired to rest soon after 10 o'clock, leaving my bedroom window open according to my usual custom. At about 11.45, I was awakened by the church bells ringing in the New Year. The little church was only about two... He says, page stuck together. ..was only about 200 yards from the house in which I was staying. As I lay awake, listening to the bells, I fancied that their clangor I could hear sweet music coming from the dining room, which was immediately below my bedchamber. As I listened, I could distinctly hear faint chords, as from a harp or a zither. Then I remembered that in the apartment below me was a piano, and it occurred to me that someone might be twanging the strings, producing a sort of pizzicato effect it sounded most weird and one could certainly have imagined a ghostly harpist in the room below i decided to investigate and made my way to the lower story i quickly solved the mystery actually the explanation was quite simple i discovered that certain notes from the piano recurred always during a particular peal from the bells and this gave me the clue to the ghostly music. 
the wires of the piano were vibrating in sympathy with the noisy bells. This sympathetic vibration is well known to physicists. In the same way, Caruso, the famous tenor, could emit a note that would crack a wine glass in the immediate vicinity. And uh, hand you back now to our host, whose voice would crack walnuts. I'm still trying to get over the Christmas poo. You are, aren't you? Mm. Anyway, moving right along. Christmas poo. I forgot how bad that was. Anyway, <laughs> please bring me back with something, something cheerful, something. I'm all something. flushed with success having got that one played on the show. Heidi mm. ho. Yeah, and these things for you, Steve, because you're the star of the show. I, it's my job to please you. Good. Mm. Anyways, um, the holiday season is an exciting time all around the world. But uh, what about uh, some of these other countries uh, that that have, uh, you know, how about, where is it? Hey, where is it? Tunisia? What? You got something? No, Tunisia. <laughs> what? Cor- Cor- what? Huh? I'm, I'm lost. Whatever. I've missed my place. I've gone. Uh, how about. What the hell is this? What? I, I, Should my, we have another story from Harry? Yeah, my, my computer is like going. Not, oh, here it is. Never mind. I got it. We're good. Okay, Christmas trees are deco- dec- decorated annually ar- all around the world, but in Ukraine, the decor is a little different. Seeing trees covered with ornate cobwebs and sparkling spiders is extremely common. The story goes that a poor widow and her children had grown a Christmas tree from a pine cone. Once it was big enough to be decorated for the holidays, they realized they had no means to decorate the tree. That night, the night before Christmas, spiders heard the children crying over the lack of funds for the tree's ornaments and went to work decorating them themselves. The family is elated to find out when they woke up that the tree was beautifully decked in spiderwebs and shimmering in the sun. So they went out and bought a pair of Shoes for their mother who was dying of cancer because she was going to go see Jesus. Done. Well, that's my kind of tree, actually. And then they had pickles. Yes. <laughs> they eat pickles. Yes, they did. Okay. So anybody want to hear about the Yule goat? <laughs> <laughs> the old goat or the Yule goat? The Yule goat. Oh, okay. There's a difference? Uh, depends on where frame of mind here and I guess but 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 this is just an interesting story it's not old or anything but for hundreds of years people in northern Europe had big festivals in December called Yule right yeah so those traditions became part of Christmas celebrations in places like Sweden well one of those traditions was the Yule goat now, the Yule goat was supposed to help deliver presents, so sometimes Santa Claus would ride a goat instead of his sleigh. In fact, small goats made of straw are still one of the most popular Christmas decorations in Sweden. So, go back to 1966 when the sa- the town of Yavla, I think I'm pronouncing it wrong, oh, wanted well. something fun and Christmassy for the town square. So... They decided a giant Yule goat seemed like a great idea. 
Now, as it turned out, it wasn't. Maybe because it wasn't the best plan to make, um, because they made the giant statue out of super flammable straw. So still, the first goat actually made it all the way through New Year's Eve before being burnt down. But subsequent goat statues in other years haven't been so lucky. In the past 50 years, the Yule goat has been destroyed 35 times. I guess Yule goats don't have seven lives or nine lives. No. No. That's that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a story. That's the Yule goat. That's a good story. It's a good story. So anyways. What I find most surprising is that what? all of the stories tonight have come from Europe. Yeah. 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 Does, it, does, it, does America not have any traditions of Christmas other than Coca-Cola? <laughs> Wait a minute! You get wait a minute! Europe, you got to understand, America. We Is are Europe. Europeans. We we All come from immigrant. other countries. Yes. We come from other countries. So our traditions are from other countries. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that called cultural misappropriation nowadays? No, no, no! It's called carrying on tradition. Oh, yeah. So we carry it on to another country when we we do. I mean, it's the the way it is. And we Anyways. know Germany brought Christmas trees. I mean, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. No? That's a historical myth. The Christmas oh. trees existed in the United Kingdom 300 years prior in the court of Henry the Seventh and Henry the Eighth. Hmm. Uh, they 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 decorated. He did bring the pine tree. Did he put pickles on it? Probably. Probably not. Kippers, maybe. Kippers. Yeah. Poop, pooped underneath it. Anyways, in Netherlands, spiders. In the Netherlands, Santa Claus. Uh, comes on Christmas Eve the 5th. The day for St. Nicholas is on the 6th. Yeah, that's a big thing. Remember, Christmas was all about St. Nicholas here. Uh, said to live in Spain, Santa Claus uh, arrives at the Dutch port, but will deliver gifts to children, leaving them inside their shoes, which are left by the fireplace or windowsill. His helpers, who are known as Zwati Pitans, Pitans, Swate Pitons are rumored to collect bad children in their sacks and take them back to Spain. Doesn't that sound like uh, Krampus? Mm-hmm. The, the evening celebration of Sinti Klasa Vondum, whatever, uh, is more widely practiced in Netherlands than a traditional celebration on uh, St. Nicholas Day. A knock on the door during Christmas Eve dinner may reveal that Santa Claus has a deposit a sack of gifts outside the, on the doorstep to be opened that night. Oh, isn't that sweet? Well, at least he didn't crap on your step. Well, you don't know what that sack of gifts was. Mm, that's true. Mm. Anyway, that's true. all right, I'm going. Hey, but no, we have a tr- we actually have no, a tradition. No, no, Before to self, you go, Ron. we actually have a tradition in Boston, which is. Marla would love mm-hmm. is like all these guys put on uh, speedos and Santa Claus hats and they run through the streets for charity. Oh God! And they probably weigh three hundred pounds. No, they're pretty pretty buff. Mm. I just I've had this really ugly. I've seen some of them. I mean, hey, if I speaking was gay, of speaking of Boston, Boston. <laughs> nice accent, Boston. There you go. Been practicing. Um, I. No, it isn't nothing like. But there we are, um, Boston. We um, we the boys were watching a movie over the weekend. Uh, must be quite a recent one. Um, called the Fairy Godmother. 
Yeah. And I was not paying very much attention to it. And then I saw the Zemkin Bridge, and then I saw Lowell Avenue, and then I White saw... Bridge. Is it the Zemkin? I can't remember the name of it so now. Close. And you, you accuse me of butchering the language. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it called, then? You're asking me, who can't even pronounce English? <laughs> and I don't know. I'm the West Coast. I know what it is, but I can't say what I'm it sure is. It's <laughs> Isn't it the Zemkin Bridge? No, it's Zem- not the Zemkin. Janet, what's the name of the bridge in Boston? Begins with the Z. Oh, Lord, she says. So she does. She, she, <laughs> put her on the spot, did you? Yes. Yeah, you know, she's got that uh, cloud there in there. Yeah, if anybody's yeah. listening to the podcast, do email um, the show, courtesy of. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and tell us the name of the bridge in Bos- Boston that begins with a Z. Z. <laughs> the Zemkin. Z- it is Zemkin. not the Zemkin. Zemkin. Zeppelin? No! Zeppelin Bridge. <laughs> anyway, the whole damn movie, and then they go out to. Then they go out and have. Uh, they're having snowball fights in Marblehead, and it's all set round you. Of course. Yeah, there we go. And there's you one scene that. make a lot of movies in Boston. They were just uh, shooting. Yeah, one but up. I mean, like, well, they were shooting the, one up at Salisbury, Steve, which you would love. I mean, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyway, anyway, should we have a story? Have we got enough time that's for one more from Harry? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, while we think of the name of the, the Zeppelin Bridge, it's this one. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what they did have though. You know the tunnel. Uh, the the, yeah, you know that tunnel we go through. Yeah. You always. Huh? Callahan? Yeah. Um, the one that we always... Oh, the Ted Williams. Of. Yeah. The one, the, no, the one that we always get in the wrong lane. <laughs> That's everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were in there too, and I went, no, you take the left hand. It's the left one. Follow US one. It's an interesting thing about tunnels. If you drive the through Boston and you'll see the tunnels, you go through the tunnels and they all have tiles on the walls and there's a, a stripe that runs through the tile and it's either brown or blue. If it's blue, it means the tunnel goes underwater. If it's brown, it means it's under land. Oh, Mr. Mr. Henke was there, huh? Yeah! <laughs> yeah that was it's funny. wet, it means it's leaking. Somebody save the show, please. I think What's it's the under pair. Bloody bridge. Save the show. Give us something. All right. Okay. The Face at the Window, our last one from Harry Price tonight. It was also in the new year that I had a strange adventure in Austria at the beautiful spa town of baden by Venn. I was staying in Vienna at the time and had read in one of the papers that much excitement prevailed in Baden owing to the alleged ghost that was haunting a cheap pension not far away from the Theresienstrasse. I took an electric tram to Baden, where I arrived about 7 o'clock in the evening. I made my way to the pension house, which is a hotel, presented my card, was admitted, and heard the full story of the haunting. It appears that on the morning of the previous day, a young girl staying at the pension had committed suicide by throwing herself out of one of the upper windows. Her body had recently been moved to the mortuary. 24 hours later, passers-by declared they saw her staring out of the identical window from which she had leapt to her death only a few hours before. Boarders in the house were convinced that they could hear her screams coming from the room that she had occupied. 
I spent some hours at the oh, pension shit. and must admit that I too thought I heard very faint screams coming from the girl's room. But when I in entered to investigate the apartment, I could neither see nor hear anything unusual. I had finished my investigation in, and it was now very late and I was fortunate in finding a taxi to take me back to Vienna. Next day, I again visited the place and stood for some hours outside the pension in the hope of seeing the face at the window. I was unfortunate and I saw nothing except the gaping crowds which impeded the traffic. Like most of these local psychic sensations, the Barden ghost died a natural death, if I can use such an expression, and I am still wondering whether I really heard those faint screams outside the dead girl's room. Imagination often plays a major part in these cases. Imagination or not, the proprietor of the pension lost all his borders, and I heard recently that the house has now been closed. As has the book. That's amazing. There we are. From the pen of Harry Price. Mm. And, not a, and not, a, not a turd in it. Zakim Bridge. Zakim. I knew it was something. It wasn't Zeppelin. So close. 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 <laughs> yeah. What did wow, I say? Save us. I was going to I was going to say something about mistletoe and then there's <laughs> I can't How many I, times have we been over the Zakim? It's been a fair few. We still don't know the name of it. It's the Leonard P. Zakim Bridge. Must be the guy in Star Trek. In in nice. five minutes, will you remember it again? If, if no. we talk about <laughs> no, something no, else. I do, yes. No, I do. I care. You know, okay. you know what'll happen uh, next time. I, next time he collects me at the airport, we go over the bridge. I'll go. Oh look, we're on the Zeppelin Bridge. Mm. Uh-huh. Moving right then, along. I, I, I was going to say something. I better shut up. Okay. Um, you want to hear about the kissing bow? bow? Oh, please do. Bow, Kiss my... bow, bow. Yes. All right. So it's, it's about Yuletide, and it's often been customary to make a decoration using, like, two hoops, one thrust through the other, and bound with evergreens, holly and ivy, and rosy-cheeked apples, specially reserved for the occasion. And inside, these dolls are hung, male and female, with other brightly colored baubles. At the bottom of the decoration... And the occasional pickle. And, of course. Um, at the bottom of the decoration, a bunch of mistletoes carefully tied, and the whole tableau... tableau? is suspended in the middle of the room, the center of attention, of course, and every berry on the mistletoe bears a promise of a kiss, and for every kiss given or taken, a berry is removed, and when all the berries are gone, the kissing has to stop. And this says something about, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Headington Fair? Headingham, Headingham, Headingham Fair. <laughs> You're asking a guy who couldn't say Zagum. Yeah, okay, well, there. So that was it, the kissing bow. to Headingham Fair. Close and enough. Parsley, sage, rosemary, yeah. And pickles. Okay. And pickles. Yeah. yeah, don't forget the pickles. Do Americans have pickled onions? Oh, yes. Of course we do, yes. Oh, right, well, that's good I news. I love them, yes. Yeah. That's good news. Because I've just... Uh, it's, a British, it's, a, it's a British Christmas tradition to pickle stuff. Squirrels and onions and stuff. Pickles are good. Um, but I've, uh, I, 
today I tasted uh, back in um, August. I did the pickled onions and mm. uh, got first taste today. <sighs> They're hot. Mm. Hot, 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 hot. Nice. They are. So. And the beetroot is buttery smooth. Oh, beetroot. I like beetroot. The Victorians had a wonderful, you know, they, they brought us a lot about the, our own Christ, Christmas tradition here in America. And one thing that never caught on over here was the dead bird Christmas card. Ah! Where they have Christmas cards with dead birds on the cover. Yep. 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 It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, they do. how can you... How can you say anything like that? It's, uh, you know, there are a whole bunch of them. They're done very nicely, you know. And they, not only Christmas cards, but they have, like, get-well cards and stuff. Thanksgiving mm. cards. Well, they don't have Thanksgiving cards. Well, I mean, the Victorians used to put all sorts of dead things into glass cases, yeah. didn't they? The dead mm-hmm. birds and, you know, wore them as earrings. And, um... In know, fact, there's a, co- there's a company um, in the UK that offers... Um, small mammals that have been taxidermied in frames that you can hang on your wall to make the ideal gift. There you go. Um, uh, Years ago, my daughter got me a bat. So, I mean, you get these nice card with the dead bird on it and and the nice little greeting. May you have a joyous Christmas. A loving Christmas greeting with a dead bird on it. It's believed that uh, it may have come from uh, Ireland. In uh, St. Stephen's Day, which is the day after Christmas, in the day of the hunting of the wren, that's what it's called. Originally, a group of small boys would hunt the wren, and when they found it, they would chase the bird until it could, they either caught it or it died from exhaustion. The bird was then tied to the top of a pole or holly bush, which was decorated with ribbons and colored paper. Nothing says Christmas like a dead bird tied to the holly pole and decorated with... That's very the, heartwarming. The, 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 the Tudors um, I must have come over from Ireland early because the Tudors used to once they'd hauled the bird to the top of the pole, um, the men would gather around the base of the pole and it was the first to shoot an arrow through the bird. It was already dead. Oh, thank God. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. You burn witches. What difference would it make? I mean, <laughs> we didn't. That was a European tradition. The British were much more civilized. We just hung them. Mm. Yeah, it's just like the Americans. We hung them too. Yeah. Well, except one. You squashed one under a rock. We did. We did. Poor, poor poor Giles Corey. Yes, and he kept asking for more. More rock. Yes. More rock. Yes, he was you stubborn. See? He lasted three days. Imagine. Well, you, you you know why he asked for more rock? He was British. Stubborn. British. Proud? British. Dumb? Stupid. British. <laughs> Chuck the one, another the rock one that's on in the lockdown. Anyways, you know how Santa Claus, people don't get over Santa Claus. How can Santa Claus bring, one guy bring gifts to everybody? Wow. You know, that's He's magical. So of course explain he is. Yeah. Well, explain that to a seven-year-old like I had to last year. Yeah, the, the Denmark actually uh, solved it. They don't have Santa Claus. They have Nissy, who is a gnome. So uh, old Nissy, uh, I always keep want to say Nessie. Uh, families in Denmark, and every family gets their own Nissy, by the way. So that's which makes it sense why they can think. So families in Denmark must leave uh, old Nissy sweet rice porridge on Christmas Eve. If they do not, if they do, 
uh, he will be good and bring them good fortune in the coming year. If they do not, he will play tricks on the household and make it their life more difficult. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Well, we have a first minister that does that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we got to go. So I bet mm. everybody's so happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we have to end the show somehow. What do you What do you think? We are. Well, we well normally, singing. well normally we and the tradition has always been because our last show before Christmas is normally the nightmare before Christmas, which is hijacked by Saint Jan and Lady Catherine. Right. But we can't do that this year because of the time change and because of the lack of the next one. So, because normally we end it with Twas the Night Before Christmas and all through the house not a creature was staring, not even a mouse. Yeah. Yeah, we did. (laughs) So, fortunately, I've done it. So, there we are. Yeah, it's only like two lines. Yeah, but there's only seven seconds to go. Anyways, we got to go. We want to thank uh, Marla for joining us. In, uh, thank you, Marla. Have a Merry Christmas out on the West Coast. We want, we want Enjoy to thank, the 73 degrees. We want to thank <laughs> Harry Price for contributing to the show. And, of course, we want to thank South Park for contributing. <laughs> whatever the frick that was. And uh, we want to thank all our patrons uh, this past year who support us so much. Where and else can you get the Zeppelin Bridge, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, and Harry Price on the same edition? And pickles. Oh, and pickles. pickles. Don't forget the pickles. And the pool log. Oh, and the pool log. <gasps> yes. Okay, we got to go. Merry Christmas to everyone. Stay safe. Merry, and, uh, Stay safe. Stay yeah. well. And we'll see you Remember, in 21. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good law.